Um, she mentioned earlier at the announcements, uh, if you have a little one, uh, we love them being here. And we're glad that they're crying and, and laughing and doing all the stuff. If you don't like that, though, we like it. If you don't like it, uh, this back room right here, uh, it's labeled infant care. There's a window there. It's dark. There's a rocking chair. You can go there if you want, but you can also stay out here. It's fine. Okay? All right. Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up after... Um, the, the Pentecost event, the Spirit's been poured out on the disciples, just like Jesus uh, said that it would. And, and formerly cowardly Peter now stands up and says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and signs that God did through him in your midst. This Jesus was delivered up, put on the cross according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You guys crucified him. You killed him by the hands of lawless men. The verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, like Romans 8, setting free um, from the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. For David says concerning him, so he's going to reach back into his Bible and quote David. David said, I saw the Lord always before me. He's in my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, and my flesh will also dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full uh, of gladness with your presence. And then Peter steps back and says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about about David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us. To this day, okay, David's dead. Being therefore a prophet then and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to David that he would set one of David's descendants on David's throne. David foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out on what you both see and hear. Verse 34, for it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but David himself said, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty with confidence, with confirmation that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Messiah. This is God's word. Hallelujah. Good stuff. So, uh, our, our church has been working through the message of the apostles. So, we're just reading sermons from Acts, right? Jesus raises from the dead, pours out the Spirit on the apostles, and they start preaching. And this is what... We've been reading the, the, their, their sermons. So the first sermons we looked at were their sermons about the day of the Lord. With all of its wrath, with all of its uh, judgment, with all of its punishment, and about all the day of the Lord and its restoration and renewal and resurrection. Last week we spot that they told people about the hope of the Messiah. That God has an appointed man. God has an appointed son. God has an appointed king who will do the day of the Lord, who will make sure that the wrath is poured out, and who will make sure that the righteous dead 
are raised. Next week, we're going to read another sermon about the cross for the repentance for the forgiveness of sins before that day comes. And this week, what we want to tell people, what Peter tells people, is that all of these things that they're preaching about, that the day of the Lord, the appointed man and the cross, all of these things are true and you can believe them and you can put your hope in them and your trust in them and live your life according to them because God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, if God had not raised Jesus from the dead, all the stuff about the day of the Lord is crap. It's not true. It's not real. All the stuff about the cross is not real. You shouldn't trust in it if God didn't raise Jesus from the dead. But he did. Therefore, you can say the the day of the Lord is coming. The cross does forgive my sins. And Jesus is the one who will do it because God raised Jesus from the dead. Does that make sense? Easy. Amen. Let's stand. Bring kids back in. We're done. I'm just kidding, okay? But does that make sense? That Jesus is raised from the dead tells us all the other stuff is true. Tells us all the other stuff is true. This is what God is saying to the world through the raising of the Son. So because the tomb is empty, you can trust that the day will come and there will be a restoration of all things. Okay? You can wake up tomorrow with hope in the future Because the tomb is empty. Because the tomb is empty, you can trust that Jesus actually is Israel's Messiah and that he will rule the nations in righteousness from Jerusalem and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Because the tomb is empty, you can trust Jesus' statements about his cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Because 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is stupid and you're still in your sins, but he has been raised. And finally, because Jesus' tomb is empty, you can trust that When he returns in glory, your tomb and the tomb of those we've lost will also be emptied out as well. Okay, so this is how the apostles understand the resurrection. It's not just like a cool thing, right? Well, that's sweet. Okay, now they've got a context for what all of this means. And that's what we're going to look at in Acts 2. So first, Peter says that Jesus resurrection confirms God's promises that this present age of death will, at the day of the Lord, be changed into a world of life. So he quotes David, Acts 2.28. He says, David said, you have made known to me the paths of life. And life in the scriptures, uh, like light, morning, daytime, these are buzzwords for the age to come, okay? For a world where the dead are raised, and there's no sin, and no death, and, and all the rest. Psalm 116, you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord where? In the land of the living, not of the dying. Okay, so Psalm 116 and Psalm 16 are confident psalms. They're hope in God, trust in God psalms where David says, though I've walked through death and sorrow and all the other ills of this age, I know that I will walk before the Lord alive Right. With a body that doesn't decay in the age to come. Things are like this now. David says David believes Peter's preaching. Things are like this now, but now is not always. Okay, things won't be like this forever. I will walk in the land of the living. And if you know David's story um, at all, our our Bible reading group is reading through um, David. It's, It's full of death. It's full of sorrow. It's full of. Sadness, but because David believes the promise from Genesis 3 that the serpent's head will be crushed, David trusts in a God who will overturn death, who will, who will change how things are. And in the first century, in the time of Jesus, this is what everyone's hoping for, except for the Sadducees. 
Sadducees don't have any hope in the future. Everyone else, they're hoping for uh, the, the resurrection. They want to be raised from the dead. So this young man comes to Jesus, Matthew 19, and he says this. Behold, a man came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Okay, what must I do to attain that coming age where all things are new, where there's no sadness, where there's no suffering, where there's no sin, where there's no death? Jesus, tell me what I have to do. And Jesus tells him, don't don't tell Martin Luther what Jesus told him. (laughs) Jesus tells him, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. Give your life wholeheartedly to God, Jesus says. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And everyone who has left everything for my sake, Jesus says, will inherit what? Eternal life. Resurrection life. No no more death kind of life. This is the goal. This is what everyone's driving to have and and giving themselves to have is on the last day, I want to be raised from the dead. So Paul happens after Jesus. He's on trial before um, Felix and and Israel's high priest. Paul says, I worship the God of my ancestors of, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David and all the rest. And I believe everything that's in accordance with the law and written in the prophets. I have a hope in God, which these men themselves, talking about the Pharisees, which they accept. And the hope of the Pharisees is that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. Like they've got a goal to have eternal life, to live in an age where there's no more death based on Genesis. Because Adam and Eve were not meant to die. So as to have access to the tree of life, eat from it, and live forever with God. And so we know, we've seen the story, you guys have lived the story, that the sin of Adam and our participation in what Adam has done, this brought death, okay? So if you look at the world and you think, how did things get this bad? You look in the mirror. Humans have done this, right? We've made this mess. But for the apostles... The resurrection of Jesus confirms God's promise that death and sin and the corruption that death and sin have wrought on the world, they don't get the final say, okay? So you don't leave, if you leave here not knowing anything today, know this, that things aren't like this forever, okay? Evil doesn't win. Death doesn't win. God does. Life does. The resurrection says that the day of the Lord will actually come, and this present home of sin and death will from then on be a home, 2 Peter 3, where righteousness dwells forever, okay? In the end, death doesn't win out, life does. And we believe this to be true, why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead, okay? You can wake up tomorrow with hope for the future because that tomb is empty. That tomb is not empty, Just end it, okay? Not worth it. But if it is empty, in fact, tomorrow you can live, you can have hope for what God will do, okay? Second, Jesus' resurrection confirms that Jesus is God's appointed man who will do the stuff. So all the stuff about this appointed seed from Eve, about this appointed family from Abraham, and about an appointed son, city, and throne from David, these things that they've been hoping for, the resurrection of Jesus says they are true, So back to Peter's sermon, verse 30, he says, David being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of David's descendants on the throne of David, which is reserved for the Messiah, for the king of Israel. David foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of the Messiah. 
So David knows for this to come true, someone's got to come out of the dirt because everyone else is dying and we can't sit on that throne forever. The person that's going to sit there has to be living forever. So he's got this hope about an appointed seed from Eve who will crush the serpent's head. He's got this hope about uh, an appointed son in Abraham's family who will have the obedience of all the peoples. He's got this hope about an appointed son of David who will be called God's son and who will have a kingdom and a house and a throne, 2 Samuel 7, and will reign as God's king on Zion, Psalm 2, Psalm 110. David foresees all of these things. Knows the only way these things can happen is if someone is raised from the dead, from his family. These are the claims made by the law, the prophets, and Jesus himself. And Peter says, yep, all of that is true. Why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay? So you can hope that this, all of these things will come to pass. Third, Jesus' resurrection confirms that Jesus' atoning work in the cross his blood and his death, his, his ascension and entrance into the heavenly altar, it, it just tells us that it worked. Okay? It tells us that it worked. Because you've got to have a sign that it worked. If I say, hey, I died for your sins, and, and I'm going to die for your sins, and then I go die, would you believe that? No, because I'd just stay dead, right? <laughs> we, don't tell, we don't say this about other people's deaths, right? Like, my grandpa dies, are we going to, you know, gather around Narden and say, man, I'm glad grandpa atoned for our sins with his death. No, we don't do that. But the apostles say this about Jesus. Why? Why do they say that, that his, his cross actually worked? And just, we're going to look, if you guys want to come back next week, we're just going to look at the, the cross um, a lot. But just real quickly, the, the, the Cliff Notes version of the cross is that you've sinned. You, you deserve death, but in an act of sacrificial love, Jesus stands and takes what you deserve. And God counts the death of this righteous person as atoning for your sins. Okay? It's a crude version, but, but you get it. Romans 5 says, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person someone might dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? Basic, simple. And Peter's sermon says, because of the resurrection, you can believe that cross stuff and that forgiveness stuff is true. And it works. So he says, verse 32, he says, this Jesus delivered up. Okay, that's atonement language from Leviticus. Because you guys have all read Leviticus, right? Just like in your morning coffee, you're just... This Jesus was delivered up, all right? God delivers up the offering in Leviticus. You guys crucified and you killed by the hands of lawless men, but God raised him up. And so Peter then says, in view of God delivering up Jesus, sacrificially giving his son in an act of love and then raising him from the dead, Peter then tells the people, repent, verse 38, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for what? Like, what does Peter imply will happen to those who put their trust in the cross of Jesus and put their trust in the resurrection of Jesus? Like, what will happen to them? What will they receive? You do this in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, right? Without this resurrection, Peter's not preaching that. He's not telling people to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins if he's still dead. But if he's raised, Peter says... This is how it works. 
This is in God's accounting. This is how he set things up to work. Christ died for your sins. He was raised for your justification. And if you put your trust in him, if you repent, which just means stop sinning, stop going your own way and follow Jesus, your sins will actually be forgiven. And and Peter would tell you, I'll tell you, I don't care what they are. Okay? Right? you, you, You beat your spouse. You, you ran off, left them for dead, okay? Fill in the blank, the worst thing you can think of. Through repentance and through trust in the cross of Jesus, your sins are actually forgiven. You're actually accounted as righteous. And on that day when he comes, you will inherit eternal life and not condemnation. This is why Christians call it good news. Because we believe, Romans 3, that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore all deserve death. And without this cross for our sins, there is no hope for us. So there is hope for you today in the cross of Christ. But you've got to listen to Peter and repent and turn and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Because God accounted Jesus' life as worthy and therefore raised him up, his death counts as atoning, reconciling, propitiating, when you use Old Testament word, and justifying for sinners. And if you don't think you're a sinner, you've got bigger problems. But for those of us who know that we are, this is the best news there is, okay? This is how we talk about Jesus, because he is a perfect lamb without spot or blemish, metaphorically. He was very blemished, right? Very blemished. Beat beyond recognition. You take a lamb like looking like Jesus to the temple, they don't take it. Okay. His death atones for sin. Colossians 1. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from where? From the dead. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, God is making peace by the blood of his cross. So the apostles, after they received this message from Jesus in those 40 days after his resurrection, they proclaim, and we're proclaiming, that faith in his cross and repentance secures forgiveness of sins for the day of the Lord. Okay, Wrath is coming, and you can avoid it by trusting in the cross of Jesus. And the apostles proclaim these things to be true. Why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay? <laughs> Right? Don't, don't believe your sins can be forgiven and your slate can be wiped clean if Jesus isn't raised. 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen. If Christ has not been raised, y'all are stupid. Okay. And finally, Jesus' resurrection confirms our resurrection. Peter's sermon, verse 32. Peter says, this Jesus God raised up. Okay? He was dead. Now he's not. Okay? And, and this is the first time in human history that this has happened, right? In, in, save maybe Enoch or Elijah, right? First time in human history that someone has gone into the dirt dead and then rose to never die again, right? Lazarus dies, Lazarus is raised again, but then what happens to Lazarus? He dies again. Jesus is raised to never die again. And this, again, the first time. Like, the, 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 the death is, has a very strong record here, okay? Like, undefeated up to this point, Adam and Eve meant to live forever. They died. Abraham meant to live in the land, inherit the land forever. He died. Moses, uh, you want to just meditate on death this weekend? I don't know. 
Psalm 90 is Moses just saying, I cannot believe it. It is an abomination. It's so wrong that humans only live to be 80. Right? He, like, he, just, he just can't comprehend that people are, are not living forever. David's descendant meant to sit on the throne in Jerusalem forever, but he died. Okay? Like death just keeps winning. And so the prophets prophesy and look forward to the day when things aren't like this anymore. So uh, Isaiah 26 which, Stephanie, looks great over here, Isaiah 26. Thank you. It says, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise, the earth will give birth to the dead. Ezekiel, I will open your graves, I will raise you from your graves, O my people. Daniel foresaw this day that many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. All of these people, from Adam to the prophets to Jesus to Peter here, they know death is not normal, okay? Death is not right. Death is not a friend. Death is the enemy. Death and dying are not how things are supposed to be. And for, I would guarantee everyone in this room has been touched by death in that way. And when it comes to your doorstep, you know this isn't right. Things should not be this way. So they hope for resurrection. They hope for the undoing and the overturning of death. But up to that point, right, late into that Saturday night, this was their hope, but it was a dead hope. You know what I mean? Like, I keep hoping the thunder will win. Okay? And then that hope was taken away from me when KD left. Still bitter. Eight years later, okay? I have this hope. It's, but it's dead. It's, it's, it's dead at the moment. And just like this hope of resurrection was dead for them. Every single son of Adam since Adam was born, lived, went into the dirt and stayed there. And you will do the same. Okay? Your body is going to decay. Everyone over 40 nodded their head. Your body's going to decay. You're going to stop breathing. Your heart will stop pumping. Your brain will stop firing. And you will die. Okay? Like, this, this is how things are. And without a resurrected person come out of the grave, there's no end in sight to that reality. Like, this is just how it's always going to be. And death will just go on and on and on and on and on. And we'll do funeral after funeral after funeral after funeral. And it will never stop. But the resurrection of Jesus changes that. It tells us, like, no, things won't be this way forever. God raised Jesus from the dead. There's promises that he's going to raise all the righteous from the dead. So I can trust in it. Because God did it for one guy, the first fruits. He's going to do it for everyone else, okay? No longer is the hope wishy-washy. The hope is confirmed. It's real. It's reality. So this is how, this is how Paul preaches. Acts 17, God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. Everyone who trusts in him will receive the forgiveness of sins through his name. And he has proven this to everyone that these things are true. How? By raising Jesus from the dead. This is their met. Like, this is what it means to them. All that stuff is true because that tomb is empty. Okay. God commands people to repent and, and believe because this is true. So the same Peter who preaches this sermon in Acts 2 later in his letter calls now, not a dead hope, but see, he says, we have this living hope because God raised Jesus from the dead. 
In the resurrection of Jesus, we have a firm anchor and hope that the grind of this age with death and mortality will not go on forever. So if you are here today and sadness is overtaking you and mourning is overtaking you because of death, we want to encourage you today that death is not the end. Okay? God raised Jesus from the dead. He's going to do it again for the whole world. 1 Corinthians 15, Christ indeed has been raised from the dead. The first fruits, the first one of those who have fallen asleep, okay? Jesus is the first one to come out of the grave. But Christians believe Jesus is not the last one to come out of the grave, right? Like this is the hope and we know this is true, that our bodies will be raised. The bodies of those we love will be raised. We know this is true. Why? Please tell me you know at this point. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. That's why I believe it. I have hope for resurrection because God raised his son. And everyone who's in him will also be raised. Just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all be made alive. And not just spiritually, like, oh, I got goosebumps in my heart and I feel good. No, bodies, skin, bones, eyes, hair, living forever. Like, That is sweet, man. This is what we want. These are the promises that we have. So Paul will write later, 2 Corinthians 1, all the promises of God, right? For a day where everything is fixed, for a son, king, uh, Lord, to do these things, for the forgiveness of sins. All these promises find their yes in him. Because he's raised from the dead. He's not raised from the dead. Throw all that out and go do something else. Definitely don't crowd into a room on Sunday morning on a nice weekend. Like, we should be outside. Assembly had it right today. Okay? But if he is raised, this is absolutely what you need to do. You need to gather together uh, probably a couple times a week and encourage each other with these words, with these things. Okay? So what now? Right? We've, we've just been saying things. We've just been proclaiming news that there's a day coming when God will punish the wicked and reward the righteous. There's the man Jesus that's going to do it. There's a cross for, the, for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And these things are true because God raised Jesus from the dead. What do you do with the news? Well, Peter has us covered there too. Peter continues preaching. He says then, in view of these things, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's the first thing you should do if you're listening to me today. If you're hearing the word of the Lord today, you should repent. You should acknowledge your sin and your rebellion towards God. You should plead with God for mercy and spoiler, he will give it. Plead with God for mercy and then actually turn from your sin. Okay, repentance is not something that just happens in your heart. Okay? It's not just saying, God, I'm sorry about these things and I feel kind of bad about them. Definitely say that. I am sorry for these things. I do feel kind of bad from them, but it's actually turning, walking the other direction. This is what repentance is. And you do that, Peter says, God will actually forgive your sins. Which I know you don't believe. Okay, No one believes it. But by faith, we trust in it. God will actually forgive your sins. I'm just kidding. You guys do believe it. I know you believe it. God will actually forgive your sins. And when he comes, you will stand clean before him, clothed in the righteousness of the Lord. Okay? So that's one. If, if, if you're hearing me today, the response to the resurrection is to repent. 
to turn from your sins, to plead for mercy, then too, be baptized. Okay? If you're here today, you're trusting in Jesus, you haven't been baptized, or you're just trusting in Jesus today, you haven't been baptized, man. We want to baptize you. We want to uh, teach you what it means to follow Jesus. And then as we baptize you, we're going to ask the Lord to pour out his spirit on you in a powerful way, marking you and sealing you for the rest of your life. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, be baptized, receive the spirit. And then what's next? Peter says, verse 41. So those who received his word about the day of the Lord, about the cross, about the man, about the resurrection, those who received his word, they were baptized. And then verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. So you put your hope in the gospel. You put your hope in Jesus' cross before the day of the Lord. You obey Jesus in baptism. And then you devote yourself to the local church. Whatever local church that might be. You join the church. You gather with us on Sunday. You move your life around to get into the living rooms of each other for the sole purpose of gathering to look each other in the eye and say, Hey, stay on the path. Clap on, clap off. Okay? This is what we do. Okay, we don't just believe the resurrection and say, that's awesome. Then we gather, we look each other in the eye and say, hey, you can do it. You can stay on the path. You can inherit eternal life. Don't give up. Keep the faith. This is what we're doing. Okay. And then you just run that play until he comes. Okay. Stony state championship football coach, you found a play that worked. And you ran it, 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 and and the Bucks are state champs. (laughs) It was 2018, don't get too excited. (laughs) You my point, though? There's a response to the resurrection. It's repenting and turning from your sins. It's obeying Jesus in baptism. It's receiving the Spirit, and it's giving your life to the other saints. This is... This is the game. So if this is real to you, as I invite the musicians up, if this is real to you, God's promise is affirmed in the resurrection of Jesus, and you want to receive the forgiveness of your sins, and in doing so, inherit eternal life when he comes again, repent. Today, right now, in your heart, with your mouth, say, Lord, I am done with that way that leads to death, and I'm going on the path that leads to life. Turn from your sins, trust in Jesus, be baptized, and give yourself to a community of encouragers. And why should you do this? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. That's why. That's why. Okay? Not because I said it, because there's a tomb. You can... There are no bones over there. It's empty. He's risen. He's coming again. So what we're going to do now, invite our... um, our elders up to the front, elders uh, for our guests, elders are our church leaders. Um, they'll be up here. We want to pray with you. And so if it's if it's a prayer for, to respond to this, like, hey, I am, I am not on the path of life. I'm not repenting of my sins. I'm not trusting in, in the cross. I'm not trusting in Jesus. And you want to do that today, our elders will be up here. We want to do that with you. Or you can pray for anything else. Further. If you don't want to, you know, you know, walk the aisle, because we don't really have aisles right now. If you don't want to walk up here and do that, you're sitting next to a member of Christian Life Church. So can our members raise your hand if you're a member of CLC? They can tell you what it means to trust in Jesus. They can tell you what it looks like to repent of your sins. Like, they can do all that. They are more than equipped to share the gospel with you and, and get you started on the path to life. If you're not praying for any of those things, um, and you want to pray about anything else, these men are here. 
Uh, if, if the Spirit's leading you to go pray for someone else, go ask them if it's okay if I can pray with you. Don't just get them, okay? And, and pray with each other. So we end our services you, just in a prayer meeting, okay? So this next time, you're either praying in your seat, you're praying with someone else, you're praying with an elder, but, but we're praying. So uh, let me pray and we'll start. So Father, I ask that the Spirit would come. Um, God, and confirm the message today. The, the message that Peter preached that, uh, about the day, God, about the man, about the cross, about the resurrection. Confirm it, God. Burn it um, on our hearts. God, make it clear to us. God, bring conviction of sin. God, and, and set us on the path that leads to life. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's pray now.